This is the message given by Pastor James Lim during the morning worship service at Faith Presbyterian Church, Long Beach, California, for May 21, 2023. The title of the message is The Power of Knowing Christ. Good morning. We come now to the reading and preaching of God's Word. If you would open your Bibles with me, we continue uh, through Philippians chapter 3. And if you don't have a Bible or you have a different translation, you can follow along on uh, page 3 of the bulletin. I am realizing that, I mean, I knew this, but I'm realizing uh, in, a di- in a new way how deep and how rich uh, the book of Philippians is. And so I'm realizing, you know what, I, I think I need to go a little bit slower through the book. I, there's so, some sections of it where it's like, you know, you could preach um, a, a whole slew of sermons. And so I'm starting to slow down a little bit. And this morning we'll reflect uh, some of that slowdown. <clears throat> uh, I'll be reading from verses 7 to 11, and the sermon will focus primarily on verses 8 and 9, and then I'll continue uh, through verses 10 and 11 when I return. Uh, let's hear, let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask him for his Holy Spirit to um, reveal to us what he would have us learn. Let's pray together. Our Father, this morning we come boldly to your throne room of grace for help in our time of need. We open your word and we open it expectantly, hopefully, Lord, with great anticipation of the truths that are contained within. Lord, would those truths jump out of the page and into our hearts? Lord, would you grant your servant, would you grant me uh, your power, Lord, to proclaim it so that your people would hear your voice uh, through me and through your word. And Lord, whatever we hear, Lord, may it be an act of worship and of sacrifice and of praise that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from your mouth. We ask, Lord, all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hear now the reading of God's holy word, beginning in verse 7. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. May he add his blessing to it this morning. You know, I love to read biographies of missionaries because they are so inspiring to me. Um, when I was younger, I thought that um, they, were, they were super Christians. And then as I matured in my own faith and when I came to make a profession of faith and grew to, to know 
uh, God's love for me in a deeper way and the worth that Christ has uh, that ought to have in my own heart, I realize that uh, they should be inspiring, but they should also be um, they should all be should so be examples to us that they're not necessarily super Christians, Christians just like you and me. But the only difference is, and I came to realize this over the years, is that missionaries are able to realize they know deep in their hearts the surpassing worth of Christ, and because of that. Uh, it frees them to live for the Lord in a way that we could only hope for and dream of. And it's not just for them, friends, brothers and sisters. When you and I realize the surpassing worth of who Jesus is, when we really value him in our hearts, it frees us all up to live for Christ, to be able to give everything for him. And so these missionaries... Uh, left everything they ever knew. They left their families, their friends, their churches, their homes, everything. Why? Because they knew how worthy Jesus is of their lives. They had a burden to see other people experience the same surpassing worth of knowing Christ, to be saved by him, to be redeemed by him, to be loved by him. And not just for, for folks who don't know Jesus around them, but they were willing to go to the far corners of the earth to, to uh, proclaim the name of Jesus. They knew what Jesus had done for them and what uh, others, and they wanted others to experience the same. And so one of the most poignant pictures for these missionaries of old, you know, kind of when people would, take steamboats to the other side of the world, you know, before jet travel, before plane travel. They would pack all of their worldly belongings uh, with their families, and they would pack them not in trunks, not in crates, not in luggage, but in coffins. Uh, and, and the reason for that is because many, if not most of those who would go abroad to unreached people groups to the far deepest parts of, of South America, the jungles of the Amazon, or in Africa, or in Asia, uh, many times they would either get sick and get ill or, and die, or they would be killed uh, for proclaiming the gospel. And so they would either, that coffin they would take with them to be buried there or to be brought home uh, in it. For most of those missionaries, it was a one-way trip. And the question we ask ourselves is, why would anyone give up the comforts of their lives to go across the globe and mostly die to tell people the good news, to die for people who hate them? Why would anyone give up everything to tell people about Jesus? Why would anyone give up their lives for Jesus? You know, for us, it's hard for us to give up a job uh, or to give up a relationship in order to follow Jesus, let alone give up everything, to give up our lives for him. And so the question I want to ask us this morning that, that, that I want us to look at from the passage is, how can people give up everything 
for Jesus? Paul gives us that answer. He tells us why he gave up everything for Jesus. How he was willing to count all things as lost, to count them all as rubbish, to suffer the loss of all things during his missionary journeys for the sake of Jesus. Why? We can lose, and here's, the, here's what our passage is about this morning. We can lose everything and anything because we know that in Jesus Christ, we will gain everything. Right? We, we're, we're willing to lose anything and everything because in Jesus Christ, we gain everything. And so we lose everything because in the gospel, we gain everything in Christ. And, and there are three things that we're going to look at over the next, well, to this morning in the first section, and then when I return uh, the last section. We gain everything in Christ as we gain, first, the worth of his person, and that's what we're going to see in verse, uh, verse uh, 8 and 9. And the riches of his righteousness, uh, particularly in verse 9. And then uh, in verse 10 and 11, gaining the power of his life, verses 10 and 11. So this morning, let's look at the first two, the worth of his person and the riches of his righteousness. And how do we gain those things in him? We do it by first gaining the worth of his person. Right? We need to, to gain the worth of his person so that we can see it in comparison to everything else in order to be able to count it all as lost, to count it as rubbish. And so Paul expands then on what he meant when he said, losing everything for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. Look at what he says there. Um, he says, indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus as my Lord. Not only can he count everything as lost, but he can actually say that he has lost them. He suffered the loss of all things as he sits chained in a Roman jail. Look at what he says. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. Uh, then he tells us how he can endure losing everything. Why he can lose everything and count it all as rubbish. That something else is going on. It does, it's not as if he knows that it's rubbish his whole life. He realizes, he counts it as rubbish. He considers it rubbish now sitting in a Roman jail because of this, in order that I may know Christ. I talked about it last week a little bit, that, um, that you kind of have to choose one or the other. You have to see, you have to count everything as, as gain and Jesus as loss, or count everything else as loss for Jesus in order to be gain. You can't have it both, right? You can't serve God and money. You, know, you can't have two masters. You can't have uh, two sources of, wor of worth in your life. You can't put your confidence in, in two sources of everything else that you live and work for in this world or to gain Christ and the surpassing worth of knowing him. And this is important because Christianity isn't just about what Jesus gives us or what he can do for us. It's all good, a blessing of the gospel. But what makes Christianity and the gospel so unique and so worthy of our faith and of our lives is that in the gospel, God gives us himself. 
In the gospel, he gives us not only himself, but he gives us his one and only son. He gives us Jesus. The gift is nothing without the giver. Right? The blessing is nothing if we don't have the one who gives that blessing. The reason Paul can lose everything and count them all as rubbish is because that's what they really are in light of the infinite surpassing worth of gaining Christ. It's like the person who digs and digs for gold only to find a few flakes here and there. He's probably been digging for years and years and he just finds a few flakes. Yeah, it's worth something. But, but towards the end, he, re, he digs and digs and instead he finds the largest diamond the world has ever known. How valuable are those small little flecks of gold compared to the worth of that huge diamond? What do you think that person celebrates, the gold or the diamond? See, Paul is doing the spiritual accounting, uh, the spiritual valuation of what everything is worth and everything he has gained for himself in his birth, education, his obedience, the keeping of the law, being the Pharisee of Pharisees, the Hebrew of Hebrews, in his good works, his sincerity, his zeal for God. He counts it all as worthless, rubbish. And I said last week, excrement in light of the infinite beauty and worth of gaining Christ and being found in him. To gain Christ and to have him Everything else is worthless because Paul has Jesus. And in Jesus, he has everything because in Jesus, he is everything. There's an inverse relationship. I just mentioned it with uh, treasuring Christ versus treasuring everything else. The less we value Jesus, the more we value other things. The more we value Jesus, the less we will value other things. So when we value everything else more than Jesus, then everything else becomes treasure, not rubbish. Do you see that? It's, the more we love Jesus, the less we'll love other things. The more we love other things, the less we will love Jesus. And so if you want to, and here's, the th- here's kind of the, the two-pronged uh, choice that we have to make, is if we want other things to, to become less and less important, if we want it to become more, more like rubbish, to consider it as loss and not gain, then we have to love them less and love Jesus more. We need to treasure them less and treasure Jesus more. So if we find our, our worth, right? let me just um, put this more in, in real life. If we find our worth and our treasure in something else, right, rather than Jesus, in our work, right, in our, uh, in our wealth, uh, in our status, uh, in our families, right, then we will do anything and everything to to get, get ahead in those things. So like if, if you treasure work, you're going to do anything and everything to get ahead in work, to make it uh, more and more of your treasure. Right? That's what you're going to live for. That's what you're going to dig for. That's what you're going to value your life 
in relationship to. And so what, what's going to happen? You're going to work 50, 60, 70 hour weeks. You're going to count everything else. You're going to count work as your treasure and everything else as rubbish, including Jesus. That's why, for example, people are so willing to sacrifice their family life in order to work 70, 80 hours a week. That's why marriages fall apart, because one person values work so much, they don't value their spouse. They don't value their families. Uh, they, they work so much, they don't even value the Lord. Why? Because the Lord is not that worth to them, but work is. And so you begin to see that spiritual accounting and the effects that it has in our lives. But when we find our worth, not in those other things, not in work, not in wealth, not in status, reputation, looks, and and beauty, and intellect. But when we find our worth in Jesus Christ, in who he is, and what he has done for us, when we treasure him above all else, then and only then can we count everything else as loss. Or if we had to choose between following the world and following Jesus, if we don't treasure Jesus, we're going to follow the world. But when we treasure Jesus, we will let go of the world and follow him wherever he will go, that he is worth losing everything because in him, he is everything. We have everything, everything that we need. Do you see the math that we do in our hearts. It doesn't mean we don't care about those good things, right? It doesn't mean that work is, is, you know, we we don't have to go, we're not going to go to work, we're not going to, you know, um, work hard, we're not going to make money, we're not going to take care of the things that we're supposed to. We are just not going to count it as as our worth. We're not going to count it as our hope and our identity in life, right? We're not going to count it as that which makes us happy, This is, exactly, uh, this is exactly what Jesus meant in that spiritual accounting, that if we have everything we need in Jesus and we can lose everything else because in the final equation of eternity and glory, everything else is rubbish compared to gaining Christ and the infinite worth that he is. Um, Jesus said this, what does it profit a person, right? What does it profit a man? What does it gain, right? In other words, what does it gain a person if they gain the whole world and yet lose their souls? Jesus is worth losing everything because the gospel is the good news that in him we have everything. And that's a question I want to ask of you this morning. Do you see Jesus as everything in your life and you can lose everything else? Or, 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 or Jesus is everything to you and you kind of, kind of, you know, everything else is you just hold tentatively, not too, not too, not too uh, firmly. And so you're, you can lose them if, they, if, if, you, uh, if something happens. Or do you see something else, your work, your identity, your, your, your looks, your relationships, your status, your, your resources... If, though, if, if one of those things uh, is the core of where you find your value and your worth and you simply add Jesus on top of that, you know, 
when push comes to shove and you got to choose one, what will you choose? Right? If Jesus isn't your treasure, then you'll choose uh, what you do treasure. And if we don't see that, if we don't see that Jesus is worth more than everything that, the, that this world has to offer, if we don't see that, if we're still holding on to something and we're unwilling absolutely to lose it, then we love that thing, we trust in that thing, we hope in that thing, we worship in that thing more than we do Jesus. And we will never choose Jesus over that. And that's what the Bible calls an idol. What we treasure more than Jesus. And many of us unwillingly um, make that choice. Um, you know, sometimes when, when it means following Jesus and it becomes a little inconvenient, uh, we'll choose convenience. We'll choose comfort. Or if it's a little bit too hard for us, the sacrifice is too much. Uh, we won't choose. We won't choose. We won't choose Jesus over that inconvenience and over that discomfort. But when we do choose Jesus, because Jesus is worth everything, then we'll just let. We will. We'll be willing to go through any inconvenience, any discomfort. We'll lose all. We'll be willing to lose all things, in order because we treasure Jesus. So, so we gain, if we treasure Jesus and try to gain him as we trust in him, then what else do we gain in Christ? And this brings us to my second point. We also gain the riches of his righteousness that comes by faith. Paul goes on to tell us how, how to gain Christ by being found in him. And this is the language of union with Christ. This, it's the idea of being united to Christ where he becomes ours and we become his. He won with us and we won with him. That we count everything as loss and count everything as rubbish because we trust in him. We trust in him to be our all-sufficient worth and treasure him more than anything else. When we do the eternal math, the heart valuation, then everything really pales in comparison to him. Everything really is and becomes rubbish in our eyes in comparison to his value and worth. And so when we trust in him, then we will want to be found in him and with him. And when we are found in him, when he, we are one with him and he with us, then everything he is and everything that he has becomes ours. And what does that include? That's what Paul tells us. It means, first, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. See, earlier Paul told us how he used to put his confidence in the flesh, which is shorthand for confidence in himself, in his worth, in his works, in his ways, in his achievements, in his attributes. Look at what he says in verse 5. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribes of Benjamin, of Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But then from verse 6, he goes on to tell us that what he thought was gain, what he had put his confidence in the flesh previously, in himself previously, that he thought would give him a, a right standing before God, he now considers rubbish. It was all a lost cause. It was all worthless. It didn't matter. It shouldn't have mattered. 
Look at verse 7. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss. Why? For the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss and count them as rubbish. See, he was trying to have a righteousness of his own that comes from obeying the law. He was trying to earn a righteousness for himself before God. He was trying to earn his salvation. And that's why he calls everything rubbish. That same idea of rubbish or excrement uh, harkens back to the Old Testament in the book of Isaiah. Right? Isaiah says this about Israel. You know, they are trying to earn favor from God. They are trying to merit their salvation. They were trying to earn God's love. And this is what he says to them. All of us have become like one who is unclean. And all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. Isaiah 64. So, he, so in order to gain Christ, it means that he has to come to Christ not with his own righteousness. But a righteousness, secondly, that comes as a free gift of God's grace. Look at what he goes on to say. It's not a righteousness of my own, verse, uh, verse, 10, verse 9 there. But a righteousness from God. Right? This is what Martin Luther called an alien righteousness. A righteousness from outside of me that comes to me through faith in Christ. A righteousness that God gives us from himself. A righteousness from God, not from Paul. Not from us, but from God. And it's a righteousness that only God can give because it's a righteousness that only he will accept. A perfect righteousness. A pure righteousness without blemish, without spot, without sin. Righteousness is the perfect record of of obedience by which then one has a right standing and a right relationship with God. God is perfect. He is perfectly righteous and he requires all who have a relationship with him to be perfectly righteous as he is righteous. But because of our sin, we are unrighteous. And therefore, God cannot have a relationship with us as long as we are unrighteous. And that on that basis of our unrighteousness, because of our sin, because of Adam's sin imputed to us on that first, that first sin when he uh, took a bite into that forbidden fruit, and all who are descended from him, we all are sinners, dead in our trespasses and sins. All have sinned and all fall short of the glory. All have turned away. No one understands. For the wages of sin is death. The soul that sins shall die. That is what happens when unrighteous sinners stand before a righteous and holy God who is an all-consuming fire. But Paul realizes that in Christ being found in him, he doesn't have a righteousness of his own. It's nothing. It's rubbish. But he, in, in Christ, he has a righteousness that comes from God, that comes to him through faith in union with Christ. A righteousness that he can't earn, he doesn't deserve, but yet God gives it to him as a free gift so that it is a righteousness from him. And not only is it a free gift, but he receives it by faith in Christ. It's not a righteousness that we can earn for ourselves. Look at what Paul goes on to say. But that which comes through faith in Christ, 
the righteousness from God that depends on faith. This is very, very important because everything else, you know, he says, put no confidence in the flesh, right? A righteousness not of my own based on the law, right? Trying to earn it, trying to obey God, obey yourself, uh, obey your ticket into heaven. That's what Paul had been trying to do, verse five and six. But now he realizes that he receives it through faith in Christ. That as he receives Christ by faith, that in Christ he receives his righteousness. And this is what we call the, uh, the great exchange of the gospel. That in our unrighteousness, we have a record of sin. Uh, it is that receipt that God will, that becomes the basis upon which God pours out his just wrath against us, right? It's kind of like standing up in court and having all of your, your, your sins listed and you, will be, you are already guilty of each and every one of them and your punishment is eternal death and condemnation in hell forever. That God is a, is a just God and he has to punish sin. He cannot turn a blind eye or wink at sin or else the whole universe will fall into chaos. And that God will then, God would really be unjust if he didn't punish sin justly. Do you see that? So our record of unrighteousness then, uh, left to ourselves, we would be punished for it. Right? That all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, that the wages that we have to pay is death, eternal death. But through faith, not, not works, not trying to be good on top of the sins that we've already been guilty of, right? But, but by faith and trusting in Christ and what he has done for us in, in coming to the earth and, and taking upon himself our humanity and living the perfect life that we should have lived but couldn't. And taking upon his human body, all of our human sins and bearing them on the cross, nailed with his hands and his feet, pierced with a crown of thorns, stabbed from his side, suffering and dying, having the wrath of God for each and every one of our sins poured out for him. Uh, with every lash that he experienced on his back. Jesus suffered the penalty in our place. And so then by faith, he receives that, right? The, the, he was, it, our sins were imputed to him, credited to him as if he had done it. But by faith, on the other hand, by faith in Christ, his perfect life of righteousness his perfect record of obedience becomes ours so that we are justified by faith alone, not by our works. Just as if we had never sinned and just as if we had, never, we had always obeyed God perfectly. We are justified before God. Uh, the best picture, I think, uh, the, 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 I think, Paul has in, in the back of his mind here is that picture in the book of Zechariah where Joshua the high priest 
is clothed in filthy rags before before the uh, throne room of God, and Satan is there accusing him, look, you can't accept him, look how filthy he is, right? Dressed in his own uh, righteousness, he's filthy, in his own sins, he's filthy. And what does God do, the angel of the Lord do? He says, rebuke Satan, and then he proceeds to command that his filthy robes of his sin and and his self-righteousness be taken off, and then he comes, the angel of the Lord comes and clothes him with a pure white garment and a turban, representing a perfect life of righteousness, which he wears. And I think Paul has this picture in mind when he talks about, uh, I count everything as rubbish, as excrement, because that's what filthy, that's what the word filthy means when, when uh, Isaiah talks about filthy rags. That it's just, it's human excrement that is on the rags and nothing but complete replacement will do. And a pure white garment then is put on him. And so that when God looks at Joshua clothed in the righteousness of another, he sees a pure white righteous one in his sight. And that is, that is the same for you and for me. Because we, are, we want to gain Christ and be found in his righteousness. This morning I want to ask you, what are you wearing? Who are you trusting in for salvation? Where does your righteousness come from? Are you wearing a righteousness of your own goodness and obedience? Or are you trying to earn your salvation before God? Are you trusting in yourself to be right before God and before everyone else? Or are you wearing a robe of righteousness from God, trusting in Jesus for salvation? Are you trusting not in yourself, but in him for everything? Not trying to earn it, but trusting in him in order to receive it. Are you wearing a bright white garment clothed in the perfect righteousness of Christ that depends on faith, that comes by faith. I love the hymn that we're going to sing. No condemnation now I dread. Jesus and all in him is mine. Alive in him my living head and clothed in righteousness divine. Bold I approach the eternal throne and claim the crown through Christ my own. Next week, we're going to look at at gaining the power of of Christ's life. But let me close with this last thought. The reason why missionaries can give up everything for the sake of Christ is because they know that in Christ they have everything. They know the worth of his person and of his righteousness. They know how infinitely more wonderful he is than anything else this world has to offer or what they could have ever achieved in themselves. They could, and in many cases did, suffer the loss of all things, including their own lives. Why? Because they knew what they had in Christ. And my question to you this morning is, do you? Do you know the surpassing worth 
of Jesus Christ, how valuable he is that makes everything else pale in comparison. So when you can count them all as rubbish and when you can lose them, you realize Jesus is everything. You know, this past week, um, two pastors, uh, two very notable pastors, people that I knew, um, uh, Harry Reeder, pastor at Briarwood Presbyterian Church, who I, I knew when I was an intern back in Georgia, a godly man, preached the gospel, uh, won so many to Jesus. Uh, he taught me uh, that if Jesus is worth everything, then you ought to give him everything. And then my own pastor when I was in college, Tim Keller, died of pancreatic cancer um, this week. And, and I learned, that's where I... Through his ministry, I learned just how valuable, how worth, the worth of Jesus. And, um, and he told us this. You know, he told us the story of Corey Temboom, who, who loved the Lord and hid Jews uh, in her house uh, because she loved Jesus uh, and wanted to serve him by caring for for, for the Jews so that they wouldn't die by the hands of the Nazis. And when she was caught, she lost everything. And she tells the story of how she suffered torture. Uh, she was suffered um, injustice, spit on, beaten, starved, ridiculed, and, and beaten almost to the point of death. She said this. She realized. She realized that she she could lose she she could lose everything. And when she did lose everything, she realized that Jesus was all she needed. Because Jesus was all she had. And Tim told us that that if we understand that truth. If Jesus is all you need, then you can lose everything um, because Jesus, you, re- you realize Jesus is all you need, but you don't need to lose everything. You just need to count it all as loss and you will realize that Jesus is everything and Jesus is all that you need. Amen? Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for this wonderful truth. We thank you, Lord, that we can count everything as loss for the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus. Lord, may it be, may it be the, the value uh, of Jesus in our life. Lord, help us to not hold on to things tightly, to be able to let them go because Jesus is worth infinitely more. And if we have him, we have all that we need. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.